All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to the Daily Faceoff Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis, live every weekday at noon Eastern. Welcome into the Daily Faceoff Show, a Stanley Cup playoff edition. It's Monday, June 6th. It's day 36 of the Stanley Cup playoffs. He is former NHL netminder and Daily Faceoff analyst Mike McKenna. Mike, how are you holding up? I am good. Probably about as good as you are to be home right now. That have that beautiful background again. That was a long trip for you, man. How are you feeling, Frank? I'm good. It's, you know what? It's just nice to have stable internet again. I know we take that for granted. It's uh, a legit first world problem, but to have it uh, rolling and uh, some proper lighting, not in a hotel for once, uh, feels really good to be home. And we've got a lot to get to. Let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock and let's talk about the New York Rangers and Tampa Bay Lightning, that Eastern Conference final, the Bolts not dead yet. Count out the two-time no. defending Stanley Cup champs at their own peril, at your own peril, as they were they raced a two-goal deficit, Mike, on Sunday afternoon. To get on the board in this Eastern Conference final, what'd you like about Tampa's game in game three? Well, the simplest way to put it is that Tampa got better as the game went on. But it's, it's been like that the whole series, really, where Tampa's been the better third-period team, but they were finally rewarded for it. And anytime you're in a situation where you're getting deep into playoffs, you're looking for game-breakers. You need those top-end players to step up. It's the reason why Carolina didn't make it past the second round, if you ask me. And so you look at the performance by Kucherov. He factored in on all three goals. Beautiful pass to Palat for the game-winner late in the third period. But I think that the, the lightning really wore down New York is a way. I think their physicality mattered, but five on five was the key for me, Frank. Yeah, and Tampa Bay 
And let's let's really clue in and here's a couple of players. Anthony Sorelli didn't have a great game, too. He's chasing the puck a lot, is in his own zone, a couple of mistakes defensively. I thought game three, he was phenomenal. And his main job was shutting down the Zibanejad line. Five on five, Tampa Bay was far better than the Rangers last night. And Sorelli was on the ice for 12 minutes against Zibanejad. And you can toss Ryan McDonough and Eric Cernak in that mix, too, who are on the ice for 11 minutes against that top line. And the numbers bear it out. Look at the five-on-five time on the on ice. Sorelli, McDonough, a lot of that, again, was against that top line five-on-five of Zibanejad. Look at the shots for Simple as that. It tells the whole story, Frank. So five on five, the rain, the, the Tampa Bay Lightning were the better team. And then again, as this, as the game went on, their game breakers took over and they had a better third period to finish it off. Yeah, they certainly did. You mentioned that pass from Kucherov to Palat. Uh, first off, unbelievable vision. And then the connection from Palat to get that pass, not only Zabanajad, but to squeeze it in an incredibly tight window against Igor Shesterkin. Uh, Palat has been such a special treat for the Lightning this season. You know, if this is the way that he's going out as a pending unrestricted free agent, now chipping in his sixth goal of the playoffs after having his best season productivity wise since 2017. Palat has been such a big part of this lightning core over these last few playoff runs and just in general, he'd be a tough guy to replace. But for now, I'm sure the lightning are happy to have him. Oh, I agree. I think Palat's a sick player. It's just I've always wondered about him, Frank, what he would look like on another team where he could really take a top line role. It'll be interesting to see if he just as happy as can be in Tampa and wants to stay there or if he's going to look to move on. But still a lot more on the plate for him as a lightning member. Yeah, you know what? Uh, we're going to have our top 50 free agent rankings coming out tomorrow on dailyfaceoff.com. No doubt that Palat is in the top 10. You have to be giving up a lot of dollars, I would think, to stay in Tampa Bay mm-hmm. unless Julian Breezeball has some magic up his sleeve once again to wrangle the Lightning and their cap. But that's too forward thinking. The Rangers are in the here and now, and they're a team that, you know, they're up two to one in this series. Uh, no regrets. And I say that in, uh, uh, in terms of putting a tattoo on your body and making sure that you spell regrets correctly. <laughs> but, uh, when you look at the Rangers, will they end up regretting, will they end up regretting game three being in a spot where they had a chance to really put a skate to the throat of the Tampa Bay lightning? And was it more about what the Rangers did? didn't do in game three in the latter half of it or more about what the lightning did do? Well, you know, the Rangers may not have any regrets, but they might have some regrets about this game. Okay. I mean, they were up two nothing and then they got into penalty trouble, you know, no regrets right here. Uh, And they got the penalty trouble, man. And like, I love the way Truba plays, but he sits in the box for three minors, one of which canceled out a four minute power play for the Rangers at a pretty pretty critical juncture of the game. And guess what? It gave Tampa Bay life for them to get rolling on their power playing. And th- that was a big difference, right? Because like another gem of a game from Igor Shishjurkin that the Rangers weren't able to capitalize on. And what worries me about the Rangers is these third periods, Frank. They've been outshot 50 to 21 in the third period if you combine all three games of this series. And, and this isn't cause for panic. I mean, the Rangers are still up 2-1 in the series, but you know they're still in Tampa Bay. Tampa has the home change. That matchup seemed to make a big difference for Tampa, getting the players they wanted on the ice against the Rangers. So I, I think if we look back with 
it look back at this series if it doesn't go the way of the Rangers? Yes, we would say that. But I think if you're Gerard Gallant and crew, you're looking at it and thinking, okay, it's one game. We played okay. We weren't great. We can be better. It's a blip on the radar. But they got to be better in game four. Let me throw this stat at you. You mentioned being on the road and the Lightning having last change. The New York Rangers are two and six so far in these Stanley Cup playoffs on the road. They've got to find a way to win at least one here when you're looking at this series with the Tampa Bay Lightning. It's got to be this game four, doesn't it? I think so. Yeah, I wouldn't want to go back at 2-2 because then you're, you know, you're just alternating sites. And it really is important for for the Rangers to be able to grab one on the road because you look at how really how deep Tampa is and how that's matched up. The kid line wasn't great last night for the Rangers, and that's been a strong spot for them recently. So um, I, I think game four really is critical. Again, it's not a must win for the Rangers, but to me, it's a need to win game. Yeah, need to win also because the Rangers know exactly what it feels like to be in this spot because they've been on the other end of it, down 3-1 to one to the Pittsburgh Penguins in round one, down 2 nothing to the Carolina Hurricanes in round two. They ended up winning both those series in seven, and this one, it's the two-time defending Stanley Cup champs that are staring them back in the face. So let's take a look at the Western Conference final. Mike, game four goes tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern, puck drop. And man, it feels like the Edmonton Oilers, not only are they in one, but can they find a way to stave off this sweep? I just tweeted out some news. Desperate times call for desperate measures, and the Edmonton Oilers are scheduled to put Dylan Holloway in the lineup to make his NHL debut on Monday evening. When you look at it, what needs to change for the Oilers, aside from the fact that the Avs have scored and won these games by multiple goals every time? Well, I hate to say this, but I think for the Oilers, they need a healthy and a non-suspended lineup to be able to compete. And I'm not, listen, man, I'm not chiseling out the headstone here for the Oilers just yet, because you can't do that with a team as talented as the Oilers. But what I've admired about Woodcroft during really the whole playoffs is that he's been flexible with his ice time for players, uh, with his lineup. And yeah, he's trying something new by throwing Holloway into the mix here, but like, you're probably looking at a situation where you have to put him in, right, Frank? Because, you know, Kane's suspended and, you know, you're, you've got to fill out somehow. I just think that Woodcroft, you look at last game when he ran really hot with McDavid, Drysidle, you think Hyman will be back up on that line, I would think, tonight. It didn't pay off. And then you flip back to when the ice time's been more dispersed. And it didn't really pay off. But that was the strength of Edmonton down the stretch and early in playoffs was being able to roll three and a half or four lines and the defense as well, Frank. So I, I think Woodcroft's kind of stuck here and it's going to really have to depend on in-game management if he feels that that McDavid line is able to handle the bulk of the load. They aren't getting shut down by Colorado. I think he has to go with them. If he doesn't, he's not utilizing his resources. But if he can get a good game out of his full lineup, I think it'd be great if he's able to be able to take some of that ice time down and disperse it. So it's really going to be up to the in-game decisions of Woodcroft. Yeah, the management, ice time management is going to be fascinating because, I don't know, I'd play Connor McDavid until the wheels fall off. 35 minutes mm. a game if you need to tonight. His ice time uh, high in the playoffs so far, 27 minutes, and that was in an overtime game uh, in round one. To think that he hasn't played more is maybe in some ways a little bit surprising. His recovery rate is so incredible and the way that he's able to move with such efficiency, you know, he's going a million miles an hour and it doesn't look like it. So um, to save your season, I think you do whatever it takes. Would you also start Miko Koskinen over Mike Smith or are you going straight ride or die with Smith? 
seems like we're having a little technical issue there with uh, Mike McKenna there. Let's go uh, continue our down and out series as we've taken a look at uh, a number of playoff teams that have lost so far to this point and are beginning to turn over to the offseason. Mike, when we look at the Toronto Maple Leafs, a team that they've been pretty clear, at least from Brendan Shanahan and Kyle Dubas, not to expect very many changes this offseason. And, you know, I think that makes sense when you take a look at the success that the Toronto Maple Leafs team had in the regular season with the fact that they've given the Tampa Bay Lightning to this point, New York Rangers notwithstanding, and the result of that series still in the balance. We don't know what's going to happen there uh, in terms of trying to, uh, you know, did they give the the Lightning, the two-time champs, the best run for their money to this point they have. Um I don't know. I wouldn't make very many changes when you take a look at this Toronto Maple Leafs roster. There's always going to be some changes, and I think it's going to be interesting with Ilya Mikheyev, a guy that they cannot afford to keep, and it looks like Mike McKenna has returned here. Mike, when you look at the yeah. the, the Toronto Maple Leafs and their roster, what is their top priority? Is it in goal? Yeah, I think for sure. You just need, and more than anything, they just need clarity because you've got Mrazic for the next few years at $3.8 million. And whoever ends up in the net for the Toronto Maple Leafs, if it's Jack Campbell or if it's somebody else, Kyle Dubas isn't going to bring in a slouch here on a million dollar deal, man. Like he's going to bring in a goaltender that can play and that's going to cost. You're looking anywhere from four to six million dollars for a starting goaltender in whatever that term may be. And do I think Campbell's in that mix? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Dubas has a great handle on what uh, Campbell is capable of. And when you look at the UFA market, where do you want to go? I mean, do you do you try to go after a Kemper? Do you try to go after a Vili Huso or a Fleury? Other people we'll talk about in a second here. Um, I'm curious about that because I think it needs to be straightened out first. You don't want to be tied up with eight or nine million dollars in goal without really having somebody you trust. So um, that's number one for me, Frank. But I'm also just curious to see if Dubas doesn't make a play for a D-man. And I wouldn't be, I would not rule out making a real hockey trade here. Okay. Like I, I know that Sandine and Lilgren are still developing. You've got to keep them in house, but they still are in a win now mode. And I think they're one defenseman away. I wonder if, if Dubas doesn't make one big swing here, Frank, I, I don't expect it, but I wouldn't rule it out here. You, do you have that impression at all? I mean, as much as they'd like to, they they still have salary cap issues to contend with. They still need to pay a goalie. Um, you know, even if you think, um, you know, Jack Campbell is going to be your guy and you want to try and get him on a bit of a discount versus what you thought he might have been costing as you got to December, you know, you think December probably in the five and a half million dollar range, he's probably a lot less than that, that now, but still it's going to be mm -hmm. more than you were paying Campbell previously. And you're going to have to account for that on your cap. That money is going to have to come from somewhere. As I mentioned, uh, Ilya Mikheyev is a guy that the Leafs probably aren't going to be able to afford. He's likely going to walk. Then you've got, you know, what do you do with Alexander Kerfoot? He's a guy that they probably can't afford to pay that much money for uh, the production that they ended up getting out of him. So maybe you could move Kerfoot and create some flexibility there. But the, a lot of the money that they have available is going to be going towards they're netminder. So it's going to be a really big decision mm -hmm. to make in goal, probably starting first with that and then seeing what you have left over to do on the back end. Yeah. Especially when you have, you know, your top three forwards are all coming in kind of close to 11 million bucks on a cap hit that restrains you. But I mean, I don't know, man, I, I even look outside the box here and I look at Nylander and wonder, you know, like you just, no chance. I wouldn't constrain myself if I was Dubas. Um, but I think the realistic path here is probably to, towards tweaking this lineup because it was really strong.
Yeah, I, I just like people keep saying Nylander, Nylander. I'm like, why? He's the best value contract you have on that team when you look at production versus what he's making. You have to keep a player like him when you're up against it cap wise. You might be able to to try to get a lot for him, but I think every time you t- you trade a player like that with that type of value contract, you're losing. And it would mm. almost be impossible to get apples to apples to have your team be just as competitive next season as they were last season. So I think that would be a mistake starting with Nylander. If you wanted to pluck another player from the that big three or core four, you know, go ahead and try. I just don't think it's happening. And, and I think they have to try and continue to nibble around the edges. You mentioned the goaltending, Mike. Let's get to this week's edition of the Blue Paint. Let's dive further into the uh, goalie market and as the goalie carousel spins once again this summer. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's right, Mike. It's time for this week's edition of the Blue Paint, delivered by DoorDash. I'm thrilled to dive in and take a deeper look at the goalie market because it's so interesting how many goalies end up changing teams every summer as each team tries to look for a better fit. Um, and when you take a look at this market, it's going to be really interesting for Darcy Kemper, who now doesn't have the net yet again at a critical time of year for the Colorado Avalanche. It's Pavel Francouz that could help lead them to this sweep in the Western Conference Final. When you look at Kemper, his one season in Colorado, undoubtedly a success, that 921 save percentage. He was the big fish available last summer. The Avs traded a first-round pick to Arizona in order to get him. He's a guy that came in a little bit of a tough start, but has since um, really rebounded quite well. But when you look at it and add it all up with the injury that's occurred of late and the knock on him about his injuries, has his stock increased or decreased at the end of the year? 
I think from a dollar figure, it's probably stayed the same or possibly increased, Frank. But I think the term is something to me that's probably plummeted on Kemper because when you look at his career path, he's essentially only played two full seasons of being a starting goaltender in the NHL in terms of the actual games played. Now, when Kemper's healthy, I think he is one of the top goalies in the league, top 10 for sure in that mix. He had a really great second half, sec, you know, two thirds to the season for Colorado. But at four and a half million dollars as his current cap hit, I think he'll get a raise from that, but he's 32. So, you know, does Kember get a three-year deal at five per? Does he get more than that? That's what I'm curious about, Frank. And I think there'll be teams interested, but I think there's a little bit of hesitancy with Kemper, just knowing that he hasn't been available a decent amount of his career. If you can get the best Darcy Kemper, it's good. But boy, it's a question mark, Frank. Yeah, I, I'm with you because the numbers don't lie at the end of the day. But then I look mm-hmm. at Kemper's injuries this year and I say, OK, he only missed four games in December with an upper body injury was back. He also missed a little bit of time due to COVID. You can't help that. But the freak eye injury that he had this year in the playoffs after getting a stick in that uh, um opening in his mask that was fluky and then this upper body injury we don't know exactly what it is now that he's been dealing with i know that he's back on the ice taking shots low it feels to me like he just got one up in the shoulder area that caused some damage Uh, a lot of people had speculated about the idea of a concussion after taking that cc blast off the mask and i'm like well how do you really hang your hat? It's not like he's got a guy that's got consistent groin injuries, for instance, and you say, okay, this guy isn't going to be able to continue to play at a high level. He's always going to have to be managing and dealing with that. That really isn't the case with Kemper so far this season. My guess, Mike, is that he's looking at probably some more or hoping certainly for more significant term, probably in the five-year range in the five-plus mm-hmm. million-dollar neighborhood. That's the type of world I think Darcy Kemper's living in with his numbers having been so consistently strong when he is upright. But I wanted to ask you about Marc-Andre Fleury. He's the guy that was the number one target at the trade deadline on deadline day, number one on our trade target list. He went to Minnesota and started off incredibly well, but faltered a little bit in the playoffs and gave way to Cam Talbot in net. What does this summer look like for Marc-Andre Fleury, who has already committed that he wants to continue playing? I think it's a lot of reflection and trying to think of the best fit for him in potentially his final year as a hockey player. It's always been talked about how much Marc-Andre, you know, he values his family and doesn't want to be chasing them all over North America for a career. But if you've got one last season and you can plan it way in advance where you think you're going to go, he can make a very educated decision. And I don't think the cap hit's going to really matter much here, Frank. I think it's going to matter more so where Fleury, one, thinks that he can win and two, play. Okay. I, I don't, I'd be surprised if he really wanted to walk into another situation where he's sharing the net. He shared the net in Vegas. He shared the net in Minnesota. He shared the net in Pittsburgh for a while. Like when he was in, in Chicago and he's playing all the games, that's when he's his best. He's a true starting goalie. Uh, he can play in a tandem, but I, I think that's all going to be weighed in and valued. So, you know, like it, is Fleury going to take a one-year deal to go to Toronto? I don't know. Colorado? I bet they'd be in the mix if they don't win this. But how much do you want to chase it? Or is he just happy in Minnesota? You know, Frank? So uh, I think for him, it's just going to be a matter of finding the right fit more than it is dollar figure. And that's going to be one, if he can win a cup. Two, if he gets to play a lot. Three, if it feels good for his family. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I, I want to push back on that idea about Marc-Andre Fleury being the guy. I wonder if this is the point in his career. Age 37, turns 38 next year. Do you 
maybe just go 1A, 1B with someone somewhere and kind of split the workload. I think, you know, looking at Jacob Markstrom, how many times did Jay Woodcroft so far these playoffs kept hammering home the idea of 63 games too much? No one thinks Marc-Andre Fleury is going to play that much next season, but it'd be a pretty interesting spot to see if he could find somewhere that he's comfortable in sharing the workload with someone. And you mentioned Minnesota. That was one of the awesome things about uh, last season and the way that it ended. He seemed pretty comfortable with Cam Talbot. Not only that, but even as his family was in Chicago, they seemed to treat Marc-Andre Fleury so well. I know that he would get a ride back to the Chicago area every once in a while from uh, from their owner there and Craig Leopold on the private jet. Hey, drop him off in Chicago on his way home mm-hmm. uh, to go see his family. So pretty amazing setup there in Minnesota to close out the year. Clearly, his family could move with him wherever he ends up setting down roots. And I wonder, you know, where that ends up being. So Marc-Andre Fleury is going to be the one real interesting name to watch on the goaltending market this summer, Mike. The other, you know, big name UFA, and I feel like this conversation, Mike, would be so different just going back six weeks to the start of the playoffs. Mm. Vili Huso, the premier unrestricted free agent guy available, it felt like, especially coming off such a value deal, 750K from the St. Louis Blues. And the Blues were dangling a little bit at the deadline, at least. Jordan Bennington in the first year of his six-year $36 million contract. And Vili Huso goes out and did not look very good in the playoffs. He looked at times like someone that was overwhelmed by the moment, someone that was deer in headlights, and he did not finish off well for the St. Louis Blues. What do the Blues end up doing? And and more to the point, obviously it seems like now Bennington is going to remain the guy. It was going to be a tough contract to to offload anyway. But what does Vili Husso end up getting, and where does he go? Well, you're exactly right about that with playoffs, but I I actually – I'll push back a little on that because I think that there's at least enough general managers around the league that are going to look at Huso and go, man, this is a 27-year-old with some starting experience who has played – I mean, he's played these games uh, and played well and performed. And you can get this guy on a pretty value deal, I think, for somebody that could potentially be a number one. And I actually see the growth available. It was his first postseason. Those don't always go great. Uh, I, that, to me, that makes him probably not a great fit in Toronto, okay? Because <laughs> you don't want to bring in somebody with question marks there. Um, but I, I think for St. Louis, the real key is like, if you're Doug Armstrong, do you want to spend eight or $9 million on a goal on goaltending? Because Bennington's already in at about six. So if you bring in Huso, is he going to get three million bucks or three and a half from St. Louis? Man, I don't see that, Frank. But on the open market, that's kind of a going rate for somebody at, at his arc. So on a two or three year deal, maybe somebody throws three or three and a half at him. I'm not sure about that. I can't see St. Louis going over, I mean, two and a half tops for Huso, Frank, would be kind of where I think Doug Armstrong's head would be. So um, I think what it comes down to is that Huso, if he leaves St. Louis, has a better chance of furthering his career as a starting goaltender somewhere. And I think that he's going to get paid more. So it's kind of a win-win. You just never know if somebody's really happy. I mean, you got Buffalo, New Jersey. I mean, even Edmonton. These teams are going to be floating around looking for goalies, Frank. So I think Huso's still kind of high on that roster. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Billy Huso take down a four years times four million type deal. Someone pays yeah. a little bit more to get him. As you mentioned, 27 turns 28, takes you through age 32. Like it's kind of right in the wheelhouse of, of prime a goaltender's time. prime. Yeah, exactly. Uh, give me one quickly, uh, one under the radar pending unrestricted free agent that would be on your list. 
Yeah, I'd keep an eye on Scott Wedgwood, man. Like I thought he did an awesome job this year. He had a 9-10 save percentage in 37 games between three teams. Uh, he's in Arizona, battled like crazy behind a terrible team there. And then he played some meaningful games for Dallas down the stretch and performed really well. So um, that's somebody I'd keep an eye on. I think he'll... He may actually cross that bridge to finally getting a full-time NHL gig from the start. No worries, no waiver wire pickups, uh, and he's really had to earn it. So I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Wedgwood. The wedge wall, he's taken the Mike McKenna route, three teams, three NHL yep. uniforms in one year. Not many guys have pulled that off. Uh, going to be interesting club, to look. <laughs> it is an elite club. You got to get there first in order to be part of it. So, um, you know, it's fun to joke about the closet of fame, but you've had a tremendous career carving out a, a role for yourself, just as Scott Wedgwood is as well in the NHL. Mike, uh, that'll do it for this week's edition of the Blue Paint. You see the promo codes there at the bottom of your screen from DoorDash, DF. DD if you're in Canada, DFO DD US if you're in the United States. That gets you 25% off and free delivery on your first order. You want to watch the drama as the Edmonton Oilers try and avoid a sweep as the St. Louis Brews come to Rogers Place armed with brooms. All your favorites and more delivered right to your door by DoorDash. Mike, it's time for our daily face-off inbox question of the day. Hashtag ask DFO. And you've got Patrice Bergeron with some news over the weekend on Sunday, adding another Selkie trophy to his collection. That is the fifth time he has won the Selkie, one more than Bob Gainey, who held the previous record of four. Bob Gainey from the Montreal Canadiens, the man who the award was created for back in 1977 to help recognize his defensive prowess and contribution to the game. I know it's called the Selkie, but should we now rename it the Bergeron? <laughs> you might as well after five wins. Um, you know what? It's kind of weird that it's the Frank J. Selkie tro uh, trophy that Selkie never played. He was a manager for the Leafs and the Canadians years ago. Um, but, you know, I don't want to get into the weeds of starting to rename trophies. I like that it has some continuity to it, but... I don't know, man. Maybe the maybe they should just start building a wing for Bergeron at his house to collect all these trophies for it. Because, like, this guy's pretty late in his career. We don't even know if Bergeron's going to play again next season. He's still the best defensive forward in the game. Like, he can defend in his sleep, and he matches it with offensive production. So, we're not renaming this thing, Frank. I wouldn't be on board with that. Uh, but if you if you had to, I mean, it'd be hard to root against Patrice Bergeron for that for that title. I don't know. I'd like to see it, like, spice it up a little bit. It's a award that doesn't really have a ton of, uh, you know, people pay attention to it, of course, and it's always hotly debated every year. Social media was still a buzz. But to have someone dominate the NHL in this fashion, the way that Patrice Bergeron has done with this much parity, I mean, think about it. This mm -hmm. year was the 11th consecutive year that Bergeron was a finalist for the award. Who has that kind of longevity and prowess uh, in the NHL for such a sustained period of time? There aren't many players on the planet at any position that have been able to do that. I don't know. For someone that's taken it down five times and probably could have won more had there not been some, um, I, I want to say, voting fatigue that had popped up. Mm. Um, that I think Bergeron might have seven, eight, nine of these Selkie trophies in his closet somewhere, his closet of fame. Um, but I don't know. I'd like to see it re be renamed, not taking anything away from Frank Selkie, as you mentioned, the legendary uh, manager for the Leafs and the Habs. But in this case, I feel like Bergeron's earned it. 
Yes, it's kind of like Lidstrom with winning the Norris every year. Like that's the territory we're in where you're looking at the premier player and everybody knows it, Frank. That's Patrice Bergeron as a defensive forward. Yeah, then again, we didn't rename the Hart Trophy the Gretzky either. So I could see it certainly from mm -hmm. both sides. Let's bring in Tyler Ramchuk for our daily face-off daily bet segment. Tyler, how'd you do? Uh, the weekend was okay for me, a little bit up and down. We did nail Connor McDavid to score in uh, game three of that series. And that ties into what I'm thinking here tonight. So let's jump into it, courtesy of our friends over at Points Bet Canada. And I'm actually starting by taking the Colorado Avalanche on the money line. And listen, I, I think we talked about this on the DFO rundown a little bit earlier today, Frank. I think motivation could maybe be tough for the Oilers. Do you want to try... Or, you know, the thought in your head of, okay, we got to pack up, go to Colorado if we win this game. If you're the Avs, you're thinking, hey, we desperately love some time off here during this long playoff run. I just think minus 131, that line, it, it, it's a really good price for the Avalanche considering how well they looked and the situation they're in. I know they won't have Kadri, but hey, they were trailing when Kadri left the game and found a way to come back on the Oilers. And for the Edmonton, you won't have Evander Kane, who's been one of your best goal scorers over this run. So I like the Avs money line at minus 131, but I'm hedging it a little bit here with something. And I mean, hey, both these things could hit. You talk about motivation. I don't think Connor McDavid is the type who's just going to roll over and die. And he started to show some flashes in game three of sort of what he looked like in rounds one and two of these playoffs. He was buzzing. He was dangerous. He found the back of the net early, and I think you'll find the back of the net once again here tonight. Plus 105, good enough spot. You're not getting any value on McDavid props anymore. Sportsbooks have certainly learned their lesson on that. But plus 105, I like this. As long as McDavid scores, if Edmonton wins, hey, it's still profit because that's made up for the Colorado bet. And I honestly think both of these could happen tonight. So Colorado money line and a McDavid goal. Frank, those are my two plays tonight. I like a Colorado puck line as well. Plus one and a half goals, yeah. plus 175. So pretty Juicy. decent little rake there. If uh, the abs who I mentioned have won every game in the series by at least two goals, I don't know. Feels like a decent spot. You know, the Oilers, I think it'd be different if they were in Denver and had to go home anyway. I always wonder, Mike, what's the psyche like? As you're already home and you're like, oh, we've got some guys that are banged up. Let's not go through this again and have to put everyone on a plane for the next two days. I think it just make it a little easier when you get midway through the second or third to shut it down, even though you don't want to. Sometimes you reach that precipice, man, where you just can't power through. So hoping for hopefully for the Oilers tonight, they don't get to that point and they can just enjoy the enjoy a lead the whole game. Yeah, that'd be nice. They got off to that lead last game, Tyler, with that McDavid goal. And you were thinking, man, they're going to find a way to call back into the series. And the Avs have just had the upper hand at just about every moment. Thanks to Tyler for our daily face-off daily bet segment. That brings us to garbage time with Mike McKenna. What do you got? Well, in last night's game, I'm watching and Frank for Toronto crashes into the net along with Ryan McDonough. And like, listen, it kind of was one of those plays where Toronto's going hard. And I don't think he's meaning to run Vasilevsky, but it's this place where you know there's going to be an impact there when you're the goaltender. And I think for me, Vasilevsky does a really good job of protecting himself here. He's down, he goes for the poke, but as soon as he sees the two players coming into them, he gets back to his edges really quick right here. And you can see him absorb that impact. There is actually a skill to this. You have to learn to be aware enough on the ice to not let yourself get hurt as a goaltender. And I know that sounds kind of like a, a goofy thing to say, but like you can still make a save and protect yourself. 
And I, I just thought that this was part of the reason why Tampa Bay is w- willing to go with Vasilevsky uh, in so many games is that the guy just manages to take good care of himself. He's strong. He doesn't get hurt. And that's a virtue, man. Like if you want to play meaningful minutes, you got to be available. And and that's huge. And Vasilevsky's been that for a long time now. And I thought last night was just a great example of of really heads up um, preservation by a goaltender instead of just getting run over, taking it, getting hurt. Conservation, Henry. That's the key. That's what we've been told the mm-hmm. whole time. Uh, it's uh, certainly interesting, Mike. Uh, you mentioned such a good point. Like it's one thing to be there and to make the save. It's another thing to be prepared for what's coming next. And I think that was also a concerted and key effort from the New York Rangers. It wasn't just that mm-hmm. one sequence. There were a number of them in the third period where they made it really clear exactly what their intentions were to try and wreak havoc for Vasilevsky. They weren't able to do it. We'll see what game four brings on Tuesday night, and we'll see if the Edmonton Oilers can stave off a sweep tonight. That'll do it for today's edition of the Daily Faceoff Show. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com for all the latest news, insight, and analysis from around the Stanley Cup playoffs. We've got lots coming at you this week, including our top 50 free agent rankings coming on Tuesday and our first trade targets board of the offseason coming your way on Thursday. We'll be back here Tuesday, 12 noon Eastern. You know where to find us. Until then, enjoy the games. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks for watching the Daily Face-Off Show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.
All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.